Welcome to Recess Now, 5-Minute Bit. This is going to be part 4 of our Surgical Airway series. And today we're going to talk about pitfalls of the procedure and kind of other options uh, to go about. Um, so we kind of went through the general procedure, but you know, the one thing I want to kind of go back to is safety. Um, when you are making your incision and your finger is kind of in the trachea, trying to identify that you're in the correct place, never have your finger in the same hole as a scalpel. I think that goes without saying, uh, the way I explained it may not have been, uh, as clear as I'd like it to be. So I just want to clear that up. Never have your scalpel and your finger in the same hole. You just always want to be safe. You'll cut yourself, and that seems to uh, be sort of obvious. So um, we're going to move on, and we're going to talk about the uh, patient that may not have the greatest anatomy, you know, like a big anterior neck, maybe a lot of adipose tissue, maybe a big thyroid gland, maybe, you know, things that just anatomically not making much sense in an emergency and, you know, kind of a bailout way to go about this. The move then, if you have to crike the patient, is to make an incision kind of from the top of the neck, anterior neck, like where the hyoid bone is, all the way down to the sternal notch, and kind of like bluntly dissect that tissue down until you can feel with your finger what the anatomy actually is, okay? So that's an important thing to take home, okay? Sometimes dissecting down until you can feel with your finger what you're supposed to feel. And on a lot of patients, you can feel over the skin. But in this case, um, you had to make an incision in order to feel that. So honestly, um, you can still crack patients when you don't really have good external landmarks. You're just going to have to you know, go down and you're going to have to cut and bluntly dissect to get down there to in order to feel where you're supposed to go, okay? So the next thing that I wanted to talk about is patients with previous tracheostomies and crikes. I can tell you from experience, be wary. Be very, very um, concerned about anatomical variances, okay? So things to expect, scar tissue, adhesions, things that aren't usually there in a virgin neck that has never been cut into will be different in patients that have had these procedures done, either cricothyrotomy in the past or uh, trache tracheostomies in the past. So just be aware of uh, once you're even in the trachea um, in patients like this through uh, your incision, you have to, if, sometimes there are webs that are inside the trachea that will inhibit passages of tubes and bougies down there. So you might have to break up those webs. I have been in this situation. This is kind of a one-off and an anecdotal thing, but it has happened to me. So I want to make mention of it on the show. So just be aware of that. The next thing that I want to talk about with respect to airway management, surgical airway, is the um, wired jaw. Patients who have uh, mandibular fractures will often have uh, fixation devices in their mouth wiring their jaw shut. In the emergency department, you should have access to wire cutters somewhere, okay? I'm not saying I know uh, that every emergency department has wire cutters, but you should, even if you have to call, um, you know, maintenance, that's the move. That's what you got to do. The other alternative to wire cutters in this situation to get their mouth open so that you can perform airway management is going to be like a heavy uh, set of scissors or something like that, like bandage scissors or um, mayo scissors, something like that will be 
will do just fine. Just understanding that you have to understand how to actually do this. Okay, so you have to identify and cut the vertical fixation wire on one side of the twist. Okay, and now we're going to put something in the show notes to kind of look at this so that you can kind of visualize it because you can't, the way I'm explaining it, I don't think you're really going to get it unless you're an oral, oral maxillofacial surgeon. So uh, it's important for you guys to like look at the show notes when we put them out and absolutely uh, shoot us some questions on uh, recessnowquestions at gmail.com. But um, there might be two to four of these uh, fixation wires that you have to cut. And then after you cut them, you kind of have to pull out the wire from the twist. And uh, again, I'm going to put up some um, some uh, illustrations of this so you can understand. But you, once you cut the wires, you should be able to open the, the mouth. And then once you open the mouth, you might be able to successfully intubate the patient the way you normally would orally. But in the event that you can't, or there's a delay, or you can't get the, the jaw open for whatever reason, you might have to then go for a crike. There have been people that have done elective cricothyrotomies in this situation. I have no criticism for that. If you're comfortable enough with the anatomy and you think you can get it done that way i don't think i don't have any criticism for uh, for that i think you know you you're trying to do what you can do for the patient and again if you're not there and you're not experiencing this emergency let me just say one thing okay if you have a patient that needs an airway intervention that has a, a jaw that is wired shut you're having a bad day okay let me just say that so i have no criticism for that guy the guy that's managing that patient all right, so you, you will not get any Monday morning quarterbacking from me. Let's just put it that way right now. So that's something that I wanted to make mention of. All right, so the next thing I want to talk about is nasotracheal intubation. I don't think you should ever do this blindly anymore. I used to do this in the field as a paramedic. We used to have these tubes that were called trigger tubes that had these this little lever on it that would bring the end. Uh, it would flex the end of the endotracheal tube up once you had it in the uh, in the back of the pharynx. Once you passed it into the um, into the nair. Um, I don't think this is a very good idea, confirmation. It wasn't even good back then because we didn't even have capnography. So I think with the advent of um, uh, the video-assisted uh, video, uh, um um, fiber optic scopes that we have out there now, and um, really, I, I think any fiber optic uh, scope would be would do just fine. But I would rather do that and uh, actually directly visualize the anatomy than to do anything like that blind. Okay. The last thing I want to talk about is retrograde intubation. Retrograde intubation is an excellent uh, thing to uh, to know how to do. I struggle to find any situation that has a an absolute indication for retrograde intubation, but I'm going to go through that procedure on the next five-minute bit. Um, and as always, I'm Ralph Seymour. Thanks for joining us.